0: Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy and what a delight to be with you once again on this, um, April, excuse me, May, I said April, May the 27th of 2020 <laughs> on this Wednesday. We are, we are delighted to be at the halfway point of this week, uh, and studying the Word of God. I know without a doubt that there's nothing better than to study the Word of God. And to be able to fellowship in the Word of God, and I know that uh, God is speaking in this hour, and, and we believe that God is telling us something. I'm excited today about today's study. I pray that you are. I pray that you have your Bibles with you, and that you would have a tender heart today, and and be able uh, to study with us by opening the Word of God with us and and hearing what God wants to tell us today. I pray that you continually you continually pray for us. As we pray for you, and that you help us uh, tell others about these Bible studies, about these podcasts that I know are, will be, and are a blessing to many. So today, as we get ready, it's always a pleasure to be here with our panel. Today we have Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, uh, Brother Jeremiah, and we're so delighted to come to you today. So Brother Marty, share what God us. I leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart today to share with God's people.
1: Amen. Uh, we're looking forward to today as
0: as, as always, and, and it's a blessing to be together
1: again. And uh, today we're going to be studying and returning basically uh, back to where we started last Friday. Those of you who have been following us, uh, we concluded last week with a, uh, with a study of First, uh Peter. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go back there and, and kind of finish up where we started last week uh, on Friday and we were talking about the elect and what it means to have been selected by God and and to be part of a great congregational fellowship that has been around since the days of of Abel going all the way back to before the flood this is a great and long line of of succeeding generations that loved the Lord with all their heart and and uh, and took their place in history uh, and leading all the way up to the time that we find ourselves in today. And so today we're going to look, if you have your Bibles, uh, open them, please, to First Peter, uh, the first chapter. And, Brother Jeremy, you have your Bible today? Always. <laughs> all right. First Peter, well, usually you can just quote the scripture, so I, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My scholarly... <laughs> Here, her, uh, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if you God. wouldn't mind, uh, start <laughs> if you can start reading in First Peter chapter one. I want you to read uh, verse three through seven, and then we'll begin our study uh, today, uh, which we hope will bless the people, as I'm sure it will. Go ahead, brother. Yes.
0: Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, have begotten us again in a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Whom having not seen, you
1: love, in whom though you do not see him, yet you believe, and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And we want to talk a little bit about today in verse 7 from the first sentence there. Peter talks about the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith we're going to look at a few things today concerning uh you know what it means to be up under a trial of, of our faith you know and i and i think <clears throat> can you say amen <laughs> amen
0: yeah, no. amen
1: and uh i think that uh <clears throat> one of the misconceptions of the modern day church you know is is that uh you know is that is that we we, we don't really have to go through anything you know we you know, they forget that the early church, uh,
0: the first church,
1: you know, the, the Book of Acts church, that it, it went through great turmoil and testing and tribulation, and and the early church was under some heavy-duty scrutiny, you know, uh, but they forget, it seems like, you know, all our messages today are, are, are geared toward a painless Christianity, you know, your best life now and you know, you're a winner, you're an overcomer, <laughs> you're, you know, all this stuff, man. Uh, you know, today's modern day slick preacher, man, these seeker-sensitive churches and preachers, they've forgotten, truly, if they ever even knew it, uh, how Christianity actually came into being. You know, the first church began in great turmoil. And, 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 you know, as we think about it, you know, the Roman the Roman government was in power. And at the time of the beginning of the church, uh, Rome was in power. It was at its height of its power. Religion was at its height of power concerning the children of Israel. I mean, Judaism was completely well entrenched and established in a hierarchy. And and, and like we've been talking about, a a ruling religious elite uh, that that ruled the nation of of Israel at that time under the the, uh, authority of the Roman government. But by the time the Lord came, it was completely corrupt. And and even uh, like we we know in the gospel, you know, the high priest uh, pronounced a death sentence on the Lord, the Son of God, you know, wow. and, and Rome crucified him. Uh, so both Jew and Gentile were guilty of this. And But however, like we rejoice in the gospel, you know, on the third day, uh, the Lord resurrected by the spirit of holiness. And he was declared to be the Son of God with the power of that resurrection, which which was affected by the Father and the Holy Spirit. So when we actually even look at the Lord's life, you know, you can't say that his life was without trial, without scrutiny, without uh, uh, the heat that came down upon him, uh, which, he, which he bore up under. And And he even told us, you know, you need to take up your cross and follow me. He, he, he promised us that in the world we would have tribulation, right? But he said, "Never fear, I've overcome the world." And so right. we, we we need to get past this idea and this concept that that Christianity is some sort of a philosophy or some sort of a you know a means to a to an earthly end or a natural end, you know, to make my life better so I can have a better looking wife and. kids that all are a students and i can drive my bentley and take my five-star resort vacation and Mm -hmm. on and on and on right (laughs) Right. (laughs) you know but you know if you mention anything about sufferings and and, and fastings and prayers and seeking god you know all that kind of stuff it it freaks people out because in a sense they've come to religion uh, or christianity by way of religion and not by way of relationship the gospel hasn't changed right i mean it's the same uh right. that all have sinned and come short of the glory of god and that none of us are righteous no not one all seek their own but calvary declares to us what should have been us the lord took upon himself the sins of the world and and he paid the penalty and the price for us and so it's a, it's we need to admit first and foremost that we're sinners and that we're unrighteous and, and, and that there was no way that we would be able to obtain, you know, the promises of the word of God apart from what Christ did on Calvary. And, and we, we have the assurance of our faith, the trying of that faith, Peter talked about, uh, found in the resurrection. That's where our hope lies. The cross reminds us of what we deserve. The resurrection reminds us of what he did for us and, and that it was accepted. And that if we believe in that, right, we shall be saved. It's the gospel. And, you know, Peter goes on like you were reading, Brother Jeremy. He says, if need be, in verse 6, right, he says, though for now for a season, in verse 6, he says, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, uh, that the trial of your faith being more precious than that of gold. And and I kind of, you know, it kind of made me laugh because. As I was meditating on it again this morning, because he starts, he 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 lifts them to these heights, right? You know, you're in verse three, four, and five, right? You know, you're you're gonna, you know, you have there's this great gift, you know, and blessing waiting for you in heaven and all this stuff, and then and then all of a sudden it's like he crashes us down to the rocks.
2: Right? And he
1: says in verse, right? He says in verse six, he says, so you rejoice in all that, you know, you have camp meeting over everything I just told you. And He says, however. For a season, if need be, you're in heaviness. when I read that, I'd start laughing because, um, you know this message that Apostle Peter was preaching would pretty much empty most of our modern day churches. They wouldn't really you don't really want to hear that kind of thing, right they'll rejoice right. in the res- right they'll rejoice in the resurrection, the lively hope, but, you know this this glory that this inheritance is waiting for us, you know all this stuff. But when you actually come down to it, he tells us the result of this kind of glory is going to place you for a temporary moment, he says, in a place of of heaviness and of trial. And really this is in connection with many of the things that we're headed to in the not too many days ahead. Already our brothers are, are going through this all over the world and have been for several decades really. And have really throughout the history of the church, but it's really been increasing around the world. This this incredible persecution that's come upon the church, uh, particularly in China. Although many of yes. our brethren in Africa are, are dying, you know, uh, at the hand of, of extremist, uh, you know, Muslim religion over there. And 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 so they're 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 up under under intense trial and scrutiny. And really, the Bible has told us that it's coming. On the on the whole of the in time church, and it's something that we need to reflect upon and consider. You know, in verse six, he uses the word very interesting. He he says you're in heaviness. Well, first he says he says uh, though now for a season. That's the first thing he says. You're if need be. And that phrase really jumped out to me today. If need be. Uh, because you know, it, 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 it implies that it's 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 something that is a necessary thing, and that and that that we're going to have to experience this if it's if it's necessary. He says you 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 greatly rejoice, but if need be, you're in heaviness. And it's a spiritual quality there. Uh, Brother German. can you read verse 3 and 5 again? Because I, I want to give yes. a better picture of what we're talking about.
0: Just read Yes. Five. Okay, the 3 and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time.
1: And then he goes on. So he like lifts us up, right? He's like preaching all this really great stuff. And then he says, And this makes you happy, right? In verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice. But then he pushes the pod, he pushes the pod but pause button.
2: He shifts. And
1: he says, though now for a season and that's really interesting phrasing that he uses there because it literally means um it's the interim time period the uh, till we realize all the promises he's been talking about in verse three through five all this great stuff right this inheritance uncorruptible this born again experience the resurrection eternity everything that's coming at the second coming of the lord and and he says nan you're really happy about all that you're having a camp reading over that so to speak and then he pushes the pause button and and i can imagine what they must have felt like it's like well, but wait a minute <laughs> you know you just you just had us all up here right now you're now you're bringing this down but he uses that phrase if need be and as i was really thinking about that you know because really what he's revealing and what he was revealing to the early church and to every subsequent generation after that under the coming of the lord he calls it a season, and it's that interim time between the the times the Lord went away and the time that He comes back. and so all of us fall up under this season, this this pause button, if you will, and then and then he begins to draw us to the phrase "If it's necessary," or it will be necessary." Or it will happen. I mean, that's really kind of what all those words mean, if need be. And and as I was thinking about it, you know, the Apostle Peter's perspective uh, to me was was unique among the Apostles. uh, When it came to the trials of faith, right, which he goes on to talk about in verse 7, the trying of your faith. And I began to think about the Last Supper because it was there at the Last Supper that the Lord revealed to Peter specifically that the devil himself, and asked permission to sift him like wheat. And so I think there's there's some of that in him when he writes if need be. Because if you remember at the last supper he he, uh, he had Jesus revealed this to him and he repelled against that, he recoiled against such a thought that his his fidelity and his his uh, allegiance to the master would even be questioned. And and remember how he responded that if everybody forsakes you, Lord, I won't. I won't leave you. I won't deny you. He he refused even after the Lord had revealed to him what was coming his way. And so when he writes to the church and he writes to all of us, he says, if it's necessary, the very thing that you claim to believe has got to be scrutinized for multiple reasons. He talks about the trial of your faith in connection. I believe maybe it was a memory of his as he's writing, thinking of his own self and and the heat that came down upon the very thing that he claimed to believe. And he said, if it's necessary, this has to happen. And then he goes on and he says that you're, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. So he begins to reveal to us how trials begin and and what they're like. They're twofold. The word heaviness means to be in grief or sadness or up under some sort of, you know, kind of uh, an oppressive kind of thing. but, But it's more at the heart of a matter. It's the sense of what we get on the inside when we're being tried and when we're being scrutinized. It's an undefinable sense you know, it's a reflexive and it's a passive sense. And those are fancy words, but the word reflective literally means the heaviness is that which we experience as as a being, you know, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, it's it's an experience, it's a response to something that comes at you, or it can be passive, which is simply that which is common to all of us, right? Because we live in this world it is what happens in this world, okay. but it, it's something that we need to dig into and understand because he talks about it and reveals to us something. Because many times we'll go through things emotionally and won't even understand or or realize. As we as we are growing in the Lord, we get quicker at this, but. But he's revealing to us that one of the things that begins to happen is this grief, this heaviness, this sadness. And he wants us to understand that even though it's an emotional sense, <clears throat> sometimes it can go deeper than just a mental, emotional feeling, to a, <clears throat> to an unshakable, uh, you know, thing that you have to endure, and it, and it manifests itself in a grief or a sadness in an isolation kind of feeling. And he says that, that the heaviness and the grief he experience, whether it's coming at you or simply you're just existing, it suddenly comes on you. This is the mode of the trial. And he says it's the result, right, of manifold temptation. He, he's trying to reveal to us that for the believer, this kind of grief, this kind of sense this kind of overwhelming pressure, um, it has to be understood from the perspective of eternity. That's why he spent the first three verse three through five telling us what an awesome thing that we're headed to. You know, resurrection and glory and heaven and the second coming of the Lord. And you're greatly rejoicing. And then he pushes the pause button because he says he says in in a way he's telling them you have to look at that in order to endure this season between the first and the second coming of the Lord. The word manifold literally means to be various in character, diverse kind, or it comes at you from many directions, temptations. The word temptations is the word uh, "perasmos," or a putting to, to proof and, and the root word is parazzo, which means to try or test one's faith, virtue, character, and specifically to be scrutinized by the wicked one, by the devil himself. And, and so this is why I believe he has in mind what happened to himself. Because who better to write about these kinds of trials, these unique ways that he's describing, than the apostle who, who, who swore he wouldn't fail, but only to fail miserably, denying the Lord three times. Okay. And there is a con- there's a conundrum there, because, because if we think about it, it's a scary thing, because he was absolutely convinced of what he knew about himself. And so when the trial came, and and the heat was turned up to such an extent that it it, it caused him to, to to basically crumble under the under the heat of it, he didn't understand. But now he's a full fledged mature apostle, and he's writing to us because he knows he's been alive long enough to know that this walk with Jesus is a walk that is fraught with peril, with, with all kinds of manifold temptations is how he described it. They come in various ways, various character, diverse kinds of ways, and in all sorts of directions. And what we're talking about now is something that has to be understood and won't be understood really by the fringe Christian but we're talking to those of you, including ourselves, that have ever been through something. I remember that old preacher, I used to, when I used to travel and preach a lot, I used to always quote him because I think it was Evangelist Dwight Pate. He said that he had heard a preacher say that uh, your life can be summed up as uh, you're either in a mess. Uh, coming out of, <laughs> coming out of a mess.
0: Or <laughs> about to go in a mess. Or about to head
1: to a mess, right? <laughs> so, he you can pretty much sum up your life like that, right? And and, and and so it is true, you know, if you live long enough and you try to maintain your, your 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 walk before the Lord, um you will come under a scrutiny. But the scrutiny has to be understood quickly as we mature uh it has to be understood what is the origin of this sometimes we can make stupid decisions and we cause our own problems but that's not what we're talking about here because peter tied this kind of of scrutiny and testing of the faith to the eternal promise of eternal life and the return of the lord and he said that in their time and if we understand it from their time Again, we started out talking about Rome. We talked about you know, the corrupt religious system. We talked about the cruelty of the time they lived in. We know the story from history that many of them would have to give their lives. Many of them were persecuted wherever they went. And, and, and the very sense of it uh, caused what they claimed to believe to be verified. And what many people don't realize and, and you learn as you grow in the things of the Lord is what we claim to believe is going to come under a, a spiritual test. We talked a few weeks ago about the armor of God, and, and that's what Paul was trying to say. You need to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That literally means the strategic attempts of the devil to bring you down. And because we live in a natural world and our experience is is primarily in this natural world, it is very difficult at times to understand that what we go through and what we experience could very well be that we are experiencing something that has its origin and its attack mode in my life from the unseen world. If you are truly a believer, you are being bombarded from all sides. That's what Peter tried to say. And I think when he uses these words, he's also letting us have an insight into how he experienced what he experienced. Consider again what we're talking about in that he swore he would never, ever deny the Lord. And so that's one direction that he's kind of implying as he's writing these words i i have this sense that he's thinking about what brought him to that point where he literally compromised everything he thought he knew about himself when you get into second peter it's really powerful because he goes into a list of things when he brother Jeremy, go over there would you second peter yes i can't assume that everybody knows what i'm talking about here so in second peter he gives us a list of some things, which is uh, which is really really interesting in light of what we're talking about here. Uh, can you read this uh, in verse uh, in verse four and five? Would you read that, Brother Jerry? Four, five, six, seven, and eight. Yeah, eight through ten. Read four through ten to us. Would you listen
0: to what Peter like, says? What? Second Peter Second, chapter. Chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Okay. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, and that's good. Right?
1: So we'll stop right there because he says, look, you've been given these promises which is what, kind of where he's writing what we read in verse 3 through 5, right, of chapter 1 over there in 1 Peter, where he's talking about heaven and the resurrection and, you know, ready to be revealed in the last time, all that stuff. You know, he said, these are your promises, and by them you become a partaker, these promises of the divine nature, and you've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, through sin, through the fault. But then he begins in verse 5 to give us a list. Which is really cool because it comes from a man who knows what it is to fail, to recover, and what has now kept him the balance of his walk with Christ. He he says, and besides this, what, Brother Jeremy?
0: Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore? Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Wow. <laughs> he, he didn't say
1: you might have a good chance of not falling. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: or, or if you really suck it up. No, I didn't say any of that, right? He, he he says, if these things that list you just read—that virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness—and and, and, and if these things be in you, and they're abounding in you, they they make you, they construct you into the kind of person that will never,
2: ever fall. Oh. And, and and brother Marty, if you notice yes, the please. terminology he used, he said, "Add to your faith if yes you do these things." <laughs> mm-hmm. um there's a responsibility of guarding our hearts, of God, guarding That's our good. souls or minds, of of, yes. of 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 doing all these things. It's a protective measure against the wiles of the enemy. That you have a responsibility, and he's teaching us these things because, like you said. um he allowed in jesus ministry for satan to influence him yes right jesus jesus spoke to to satan who was influencing he said satan get thee behind and it was peter speaking to jesus here yeah so understand what we're talking about here this man went through it you know he Mm -hmm. was put through the wringer by by the powers of darkness matter of fact uh satan went to jesus and said and and and, and and, and inquired and said that he want, Jesus told Peter, he says, Satan has asked for you. Think about yeah. that now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this guy went through some heavy stuff and he's bearing his heart out here and he's telling the believer what he mm-hmm. must do. You have to add to your faith. You have to do certain things, right? Because th- those are the things that uh, uh, the modern day preacher tells people today not to do. The right faith is already accomplished right? right and you don't have to do anything because you're under grace that is not what the apostle peter is saying right so that's uh, that's exactly
1: right no that's really good and and that's exactly where we're headed right because in order to, to to even take a deeper look at what he's saying uh like brother fernando was saying let's let's look at that uh in in luke chapter 22 would you turn over there brother jeremy and and you guys Luke twenty two because I think it's I think we should briefly look at this kind of test that he went in because we're talking about the trying of our faith and, and we're talking about the fact that he used the phrase if need be as an individual, right? Um and, and, and only God knows. <laughs> we don't even know. Paul said, I don't even judge myself because, you know, and Jeremiah would say, you know, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can truly know it, right? I mean, who, this is from the prophet Jeremiah we've been talking about for two days, right? The heart is desperately wicked. I mean, wow. You know, who can really know it? But Peter found yeah. a key, like Brother Fernando was just saying, which is very important. He said, add to your faith these things which implies that our faith is not complete. It's not enough to believe, right? It's not enough to believe that you have to have things added into your heart and and have them resident and bearing fruit in our life and that they serve as a buffer, as as a wall empowered by the Holy Spirit who works these things in us. As we obey his reproof, his correction, his counsel, so that he says, not only will it be added to you and make you or construct you, but you, you will not be barren in the knowledge of the Lord, and, and you will become fruitful, and you will never, ever fall. And that echoes loudly through the ages from the from the apostle who claimed that he wouldn't fall, but did and what i take comfort in is the fact that now he's writing it on the other side of his failure and right. it should bring you right it should bring you great comfort it should bring me great comfort and any child of god who's experienced any measure of failure and you and the devil would like to squash you and 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 and, and uh and crush you so that you can't get up and so that you you go off into these places that ultimately will lead to your destruction but the truth of the matter is is that the child of god cannot sin cannot fail cannot go through something that that reveals that maybe he's not or she's not as mature as she thought uh and 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 not feel bad about it and 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 it's that feeling bad about it that proves that you do love the lord that you do care about him That his spirit is in your heart. And so Peter wants to give us a way out because not only does he tell us how not to fall, he's also revealing to us the path to the victory, the path to recovering yourself from that place. And he wants them to know where we started reading that your faith is going to be put to a test if need be. And in essence, all of us have to go through this. Of course it's necessary. Go ahead, brother
0: If I may add too to that phrase if need if need be, what the apostle Peter is saying is is it behooved me it was yes. needful and 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 it also brings out the word it was necessary and then this is in the the definition in the greek it it adds in parentheses it says necessary and then it says in parentheses as binding, and when you think about binding you think about a strong covering, holding the pages of a book together, necessary, right? For a book to be together, it needs to be binded. So what he's saying is that the things that I went through, I'm I'm not speaking from something I heard, but something that I myself went through, it was necessary to bring me to the point where I understand what I understand now. So I just want to, I thought that was beautiful language. It behooved me. It was necessary. It was needful as, as a binding. So I just really wanted
1: to good. bring that up. Yeah, and that, that that dovetails perfectly into what we see here because we're, we're now looking at his test, what he went through, and we need to understand what he went through in order to understand why he writes the way he does, the trial of your faith. You know, yes. he's trying to encourage. He's not trying to scare people. He's trying to give us the bare truth and the facts of what this spiritual walk is all about. I mean, it's really easy to sit in air-conditioned, padded, pewed buildings you know, with with, uh, with all the comforts and luxuries of, of an American church. But how will your faith stand up under the scrutiny uh, uh, of a missionary journey into China where they come and arrest your wife and your husband or take your children from you or throw you into prison for 20 years simply because you claim to be a believer? Will you believe then? Only God knows. But we do know that we're told that we're going to be put under scrutiny because it's necessary for multiple reasons and so when he writes the way he does we have to take a look and understand what it is that he went through and what led to it because remember what he said it comes in manifold ways in manifold ways of scrutiny and that word manifold literally means uh, to have several openings or to come from several different directions and so he's really talking about a an intensely deep spiritual truth of how the walk of the believer is scrutinized and what to look for and and how to understand it and recognize it in the everyday course and flow of our life now look at look at something here in luke chapter twenty two are you guys there? yes Brother Jeremy, would yes. you read uh, chapter twenty-two, verse twenty-three
0: and twenty-four? <laughs> and they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing, and there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest.
1: I mean, this is incredible. We picked it up mid-story, but we're all familiar with the with the with the Last Supper, right? In verse three, it says, uh, "What, brother Jeremy?" Twenty-two, three.
0: Is, uh, then entered Satan into Judas, surname Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Verse four. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them.
1: All right. So what we have revealed there by Luke is that the devil went into Judas and he, he split, right? He's gone. He went his way, he leaves the upper room. we've talked about this several weeks ago. he leaves the upper room and he's already possessed by the devil. Really, he's a type of of several things which we'll discuss in a second here, but 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 we're laying the premise here is that he's already gone, he's left, and then Jesus, as Luke reveals, it begins to tell them that one of them is going to betray him. And what you read in verse twenty three is two, is they begin to ask each other, verse twenty three they begin to ask each other uh, which one is the one that should betray? And then verse 24 it's so bizarre because he says he says they're, they're arguing who's going to betray the lord right and then they cross over into verse 24 and they're arguing about who's the greatest disciple like you know and, and we get an oh, insight lord. there but <laughs> we get an insight there i can almost hear the conversation who's going to do this to you? Someone's going to betray him? Are you kidding? I bet it's you, Thomas. It ain't me. What's wrong with you, John? Or what? I mean, You can just see I'm better than you. I love it more. Than you. Peter's over there going, hey, I walked the water, man. I, I was the first one who wrecked. They're starting to talk about who's better than who. You know, The fact is, Judas has already left. But Peter's talking about manifold temptation because in that it actually exacerbated that self-confidence, that spiritual pride in him, which we're about to see, in that he tells the Lord, I would never deny you. Maybe he screamed the loudest at the table. I don't know who's greatest among you, because Jesus goes on and talks to them about being a servant, being a, 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 a person that ministers to others, not not trying to to, you know, promote themselves into this high position. But it all was born out of this argument about who was greater, who had a better anointing, who was the truest amongst them, all this stuff. And Peter says, in essence, he's saying, understand, that was a temptation that came our way. And we didn't recognize it at the time. And so my premise is this, is that as we grow in the quality of discernment and the level of of closeness that's developed in a consistent, diligent pursuit of God, aided completely by the effectual working of his mighty power in us, as how Paul described it, by the Holy Spirit, we become quicker to recognize the kinds of ways and tactics that the enemy uses, because what Jesus is about to reveal in verse thirty one is that the devil had already asked for Peter as if. And so when we see this kind of frenetic energy at the Last Supper with these guys arguing with each other, Peter all those years later writes about manifold temptation. He's trying to get us to understand a spiritual development is necessary to recognize that it comes at you in many different directions. It happens yes. to you both reflexively and passively. He says there's, there's a sense of, of, a, of an ongoing scrutiny always in the life of the child of God just because he's living in this world. But there's also a reflexive or a reactionary kind of thing that happens as it happens to you. And it's all designed to put you to the test and to find out what quality is really in you, or lack of quality is in you. And this is what Jesus goes on to say in verse 31. After he tells them, you know, quit acting all stupid, you people. <laughs> he says you're going to have a you're going to have a position, have a position of, of of judgment over the twelve tribes of Israel, so forth and so on. But then he stops after he says that, and in verse 31, can you read 31
0: and 32, brother Jeremy? And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren.
1: Again, remember where we started the trial of your faith and and what we were just describing. You know, Judas has gone out. Jesus reveals, hey, you know, one of you is going to betray me. They start arguing. You can almost hear the conversation, like you know, is it me? Is it you? Oh, it's got to be you, because you know, whatever. You know, these are 12 guys, not 11 guys that are left up there, and, uh, and 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 also understand, you know, this is the Last Supper. This is, you know, Jesus is about to go to to Gethsemane to go to the trial to be crucified, and three days later he'll be raised again. But we have to understand this as as believers, the kind of intense. Uh, feeling if you will that was in the air this is a this is the most important moment in the history not just of the world but in all that ever was is and shall be this is the trial of the ages this is this is the intense scrutiny of the son of god and and the spillover of that is affecting his own apostles as a matter of fact it would be used by, an, by the enemy to get at Jesus. But Jesus is the master. He's perfect. He reacted in every single situation correctly. He never had a misstep and never tripped up. He's the perfect son of the living God, the only begotten of the Father. And through uh, observing how he reacts in particular situations, we learn a lot. And 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 what Peter's revealing about the manifold temptations, we get a little insight here. In this this mild argument that they're having, maybe intense argument they're having, having there's a there's a hint of that when he writes about the, the multiple ways that that the enemy begins to scrutinize us and begins to come at us, even in the simplest daily activity. The believer, as he matures, realizes that he's walking on enemy territory and that by virtue of the Holy Spirit that lives within him and the declarations of his own mouth, that he's a believer, that he's full of the Holy Ghost, that he serves God, that he's looking for another kingdom, it will attract a scrutiny to your life. It is necessary because what we're headed to and where we're going is 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 far more glorious and grand. That's what Peter goes on to say, right? Wherein you greatly rejoice. And he says, at the end, he says, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory, right? So he's talking about it from the perspective of where we're headed. And that as a believer, we must be scrutinized. He likens it to the trying of gold, right? That refining of gold, the most precious metal on the planet. He says, your faith is more precious than that. Because where you're headed and what is so valuable about it, it must come up underneath a scrutiny and a heat, if you will, in order to remove all the impurities of our lives. But you need to recognize when it's happening, and and that's what Brother Jeremy was talking about. So these are truths that aren't easily understood by the fringe believer, right? the ones hanging out by the coffee bar, munching on the donut before the service. Right. Uh, right. So I mean, this is what we're talking about, man. This isn't, you know, this isn't for the faint of heart. But so again, last up, go ahead, brother. on am Friday.
0: I read in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 and 8 and I think it's it's good to to uh go back to this verse. Just, it says So in the days speaking about Jesus of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared though he was he were a son yet he learned he, he yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, by the things that he he went through, and, and in a sense that that's just speaking about Peter too. He, that's how he learned obedience about these things through the things and the trials that he went through. And and, and one of the things about the way the enemy comes, you know, there's there's so much ground that you know uh, beautiful what we're talking about. It, we always worry about the bad things, how the enemy comes, you know, uh, he's going to tempt me through this or that. But we never take the time to understand that the enemy also uses the good things <laughs> as he did with yeah. Eve, right? Adam yeah. and Eve, right? <laughs> the temptation right. that came, you know, we, you'll be like God, right? And and so it, it, it's manifold ways also speaks in, in different ways that, that, even in ways that you would never think. You know? Here the disciples, what we read in Luke twenty two, they're arguing about who's gonna be the first in the kingdom. It doesn't it sound good, right? It's the greatest. Yeah. But that's not. That that was a trap of the enemy, missing what was really taking place literally in the last hours of Jesus' life. So I just wanted to bring that if Jesus himself, the Bible says he learned obedience yes. by the things which he suffered, how much us? Ourselves,
1: yeah, and that's an incredible. And, and and I hope you know, as we go along in these, in, in the in in these next few weeks and stuff, that we can really dig into those things. Because you know what I've been hearing from several people is, you know, um, they really want practical teaching. You know, for lack of a better phrase, as well, uh, because they tell me that when, and I've heard this several times over the last several months, really. But when they go to their churches, they don't really get you know the walk of Christ taught to them. You know, and 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 so they, yeah. they it leaves them wanting. It leaves I mean they get 15 20 minute sermons. I mean, what are you going to teach someone in 20 minutes about how to endure the, this dark angel that's after you,
0: right? It's, it's yeah. Tough right or like you said how to be a winner a, a whiner i mean excuse me a winner a whiner I mean, yeah whiner whatever
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly you know and and then you know it, it it's it's like i said these truths aren't understood by by the by the edged christian or you know, the one hanging out you know Um at the last supper the lord turns to peter and he tells him something that i don't know it just totally shocked him, I bet. It startled him beyond what he could possibly understand. But the Lord himself revealed to him in verse uh, in verse 31, he said, Satan has desired uh, to sift you like wheat. I can't imagine what that was like. Uh, but what do we learn from that? Let's just dig in for a minute because, again, we're back to manifold temptations. That's what, that's what Peter talked about. It's so full in what he's revealing because every single event became an instructional um, opportunity for the apostle that that later years when he's reaching the end of his life where he writes these two epistles, it comes from somebody and carries with it the seasoning and the flavoring of a life that has been through the very things that he's now as an elder statesman, as an elder brother, as a father of the church, a foundational stone, telling the children of God how to uh, not have to endure what he did, how to properly respond. And so when he talks about the multiple ways in which we're scrutinized, and we look at their lives, like Brother Fernando brought out in Matthew 16, I think that's where that story is, how he goes from being, uh, someone that had God reveal to him that Jesus is the son of the living God to just a couple of verses later becoming an adversary to Christ. He said, you know, that Satan was speaking through it or inspire him to speak what he spoke, which is you, you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to go die in Jerusalem. You know, uh, So he goes from highs to lows, but at the end of his life, as he's writing these things, it carries with it the flavor of experience and, and, and a deep reservoir of development at a level that needs to be you know plunged into and, and 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 deconstructed so that we, which are headed by the way, which is, you know, for those of you who follow us, you know that we, we talk a lot about prophetic types and parallels, but we're headed into such a scrutiny that's coming as the scripture reveals it. And everything that we claim that we believe is going to be scrutinized, just as it was in the early days when the first church was being born. All of us are going to come up under the scrutiny one way or another. And it has been appointed unto us to understand these things. Because like we were talking about earlier, what we're headed to is the most fantastic, indescribable glory. The half has never been told as they say I mean this this incredible Jesus said himself that he's going to prepare a place for us, right? Something is under construction and has been since the foundation of the world. Something marvelous, something incredible. And if we have to go through the heat of it, then we have to go through the heat to get to the other side. It is part and parcel, not that we earn it, but that we're being refined in our soul, and our spirit, like David said, "Lord, refine my heart and my mind." We're being refined and purified so that we can enter into that world. Brother Jeremy, put your finger there, people, and go over to uh, what is it? Second Tim, Second Peter. Read to a Second Peter, uh, chapter three. I think it's verse ten. Speaking of this fire and this quality of heat that comes down on every believer. Second Peter chapter 3,
0: I think it's verse 10. Let me see. Yeah. Go ahead. Are you there? Yes. But the day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 11. Being then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in a holy in all holy conversation and godliness and then finish with verse 12 and 13 looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness.
1: My goodness, we could spend, you know, days and days talking about that, but let's emphasize what he says there. This is Peter talking again. This is the one who's telling us about our fiery trial and what it's all about, right? We're being called to a new heaven and a new earth. And what he's literally saying is the elements themselves, the very building blocks of all creation, of all creation, you know, the micro world and the macro world, the protons, the neutrons, the electrons, the quarks, all of it, he says, the material, substantive, seen and unseen universe is going to be melted with a fervent heat, a fiery trial, if you will. And and he says that with that in mind, he says, what kind of life should we be living? And so when David talks about the refining of the soul and the heart, of the mind and the heart, he's talking about allowing the process of our current situation, like Peter said, right? He said, if, if now for a season, if need be, that season, this is the interim where you will come up under scrutiny and that the heat of the scrutiny will come in many different directions. There is the fire of the spirit and there's the fire of the enemy. But both of them work together in a sense, you know, depending on which direction it comes from. It can either be the Holy Spirit putting something on, uh, putting his finger on something in your life. You know, something that he's trying to help you get over with. Remember what Peter also says. He says, brethren, because he refers to the natural world again when he says, abstain from fleshly lust. He says what? Which war against your soul. So he says that the actual desires that your body wants to drive you in one direction for, he says you have to prevent that, you have to abstain from that which is what Brother Fernando was talking about when he says, add to your faith these things, because these, it's almost like Peter's armor of God sermon, right? Paul calls it you know, the breastplate of righteousness. Peter calls it faith, temperance, virtue. It's the armor of God, because he says, you got these things on, or these things be in you and abound, you'll never fall. So this elements melting with fervent heat is precisely why he says the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. He uses fire as the best description of what we come up under in the heat and the scrutiny of our faith and that it's designed to purify our soul and our spirit. That's why at the end he says receiving the end of your faith, which is the what? Salvation of your soul. He doesn't say about the salvation of your body. You know, that's all gonna be burned up. But you're being prepared for a new heaven and a new earth. And and that is on the other side of all that we have known in physics, you know, the actual substantive building blocks of this current creation, which is under uh, a judgment and has come under a defile kind of existence because of the sin of the enemy, all of it's gonna be done away with. But in the interim, he has rescued you and me by the blood of his cross and has saved us by the power of his resurrection. And the season in between his first coming and his second coming for his church is a season of trial, if need be, and scrutiny, mm. because we're being prepared mm. for the world that's on the other side of the fire. Ah, Somebody say something. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what he's yes. talking about. Amen. That's what he's talking about. So let's go back to to, to 31 and we'll close real quick. In 31 because we're looking and examining the kind of test he went through and he went through many others, right? Cause yes. you know, he, he hadn't written his epistle until after Paul rebuked him. Remember when they were all eating with the Gentiles, those of you who know your Bible
0: <laughs> and, right.
1: uh, and when the Jews showed up, he got afraid, right? He quit eating with the Gentiles. He, 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 uh, he was more worried about what they would think of him than what the gospel was teaching, so he even talks about that as a test, right so I mean let's look and look at his life and how magnificent it is what he's saying because what it what it encourages us in is that if he can make it, we can make it right
0: right, right. <laughs>
1: and 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 so so Jesus tells him, you know Satan, the actual Satan, not the little imp." Or, you know, some three-eyed demon, you know, with a wart on his nose and, and two teeth. No, no. he's in a talking, fork. <laughs> in a fork, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said Satan, the actual accuser, the one who came into the throne room of God and tried to bring down Job. I mean, the one who tried to trip up the Lord Jesus Christ. This devil, he says, this guy, this angel of, of darkness has desired you. And that word desired oh. means to. To ask, specifically ask that you be given up. In other words, it literally means to be examined for trial. That's why Peter, when he's writing this fiery trial, I know he's thinking about this. He must have been, because those are the words the Lord used. He said he's desired you. He wants to, to try you. And literally it means to ask that someone be given up. And and to relinquish the power that one has over another. In other words, what he was saying was that what the devil specifically asked, and this is powerful, is that he needed permission to actually attack Peter. And and it means <laughs> that that Jesus was 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 his was his protector. Remember what he told the Father in John 17. You know, I haven't lost any of them. I've prayed for, I've kept them all except for that wicked one, the son of perdition. And so what was actually being asked here was was the removing of the protective hedge around him so that he could go after it. And I want to talk to you about something really quick here because this is really powerful. He wanted him to remove the protective hedge for scrutiny. And in many ways, those of you who are students of prophecy, this is a foreshadow of the last end time church where it is revealed that for a season that it will be allowed for that wicked one to make war with the saints and to overcome them you see the two represent Judas and Peter represent the two different types of churches that will exist in the end as it is revealed by scripture but what's also being right. revealed here is that the enemy wanted to take i think this is and this is just possible But I think that the enemy wanted to take Simon Peter instead of Judas.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And that Jesus stood in the gap
1: because he said, I, hallelujah,
0: (laughs) hallelujah.
1: He said, I Uh, prayed for you, man. (laughs) I prayed for you, you know. You 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 may be a lot of things, Peter, but you ain't a thief. You ain't a phony, and you would never go and betray me to the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, you will whip your sword out at the Garden of Gethsemane and try to fight for me. So so this is some something else. I think the enemy wanted to bring him to the point where he would have been the betrayer. But Jesus said in verse thirty two, "I've prayed for you." Hallelujah. And that's, Hallelujah. And that's that that. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I wept when I read that today because my testimony is one of of great trial, of great heights and great moments of despair and 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 years of, of of scrutiny, and 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 working out my walk with God. But He has somehow He kept me, and I know those of you listening, He's kept you. Maybe you're having things go through your mind right now. You know you you know. You were on the verge of losing it, man. But but he told Peter, like he tells us, you know, I prayed for you. Some others have fallen away. We were just talking about that before this program began today. People grew up in pastor's houses, famous Christian artists, as they call them, claiming they don't even believe in God anymore. They fell away. Right. You know, you never fell away, but, you know, you've had some intense scrutinies, right? But, but what Jesus was saying here is is that the devil wanted you to be the one. He wanted to bring you to that place where you would go out and hang yourself. <laughs> you know, that's what Judas did. He went out and hung himself. He found no place of repentance. But for Peter, on the other hand, he says, I've prayed for you. And what's really cool, Brother Jeremy, you, you talked about it earlier. The word prayed means uh, to beg. And the word beg means to to bind oneself to another. A binding. (laughs) This is so awesome. Yes, Because we need to understand this, especially if you've ever failed or will fail and will all fail at one time or another. That you don't have to end that failure in despair. Jesus has bound himself to you. That's what he told Peter. I've bound myself to you. Understand that Judas and Peter, th- they really are a type of the end, because two types of churches are beginning to emerge, prophetically speaking, it shall be. See, Judas was the church that, that, that represents the church that Paul talked about uh, th- that falls away and becomes a habitation of the wicked one. You can read that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. He says, there must come a following away first and then he talks about that wicked one being revealed who will sit in the temple of God proclaiming that he is God when Judas fell away from the Lord that's exactly what the bible tells us that the wicked one satan entered his temple his body and possessed him he's a type of that in time compromised church that will go off into the antichrist system it is that it is that compromised church but peter reveals a different kind of church it's a church that's going to go through the fire it may bend but our Lord has bound himself to it.
0: Hallelujah. Uh,
1: Hallelujah. And that's what Daniel said, right? Some of the understanding shall fall, but it's only going to work to purify them, right? To try them and to make them white as snow. That's why Peter says, the trying of your faith, he says, he says it's more precious than gold. And remember what he said before that, that you are kept through the power of God and faith unto salvation that it is god that is guarding you so that what you believe will endure and reach its desired destination which is the salvation of your soul and the and the giving of that new glorious body created in the image of the lord and so peter reveals that church that that the lord has bound himself to it he's bound himself to you And just as he's told Peter, he tells all of us. What does he finish saying there? Uh, Can you read verse thirty-two, Brother Jeremy? What does he say?
0: It says, uh, "But I have prayed for thee that day, faith. Excuse me. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren."
1: Praise God. Those of you who think that you can't be used by God anymore, just read these words, and that's yes. what Peter's writing about. That's why he talks about your faith being tried as so much more precious than gold, that it might be found under the praise, the honor, and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that is appearing. Right. So he tells him. He says, "I've prayed for you. I've bound myself to you, so that though you're going to fail, you you will not be able to endure. You will not be crushed." I will not allow it to happen. Some of you have come out of some deep, dark places. Some of you might be in that dark place right now. But the fact that you're even listening to us means that Jesus has bound himself to you. And all you've got to do is get up in the name of Jesus and make one solid step toward him and he'll make a million towards you, man. He said... When you're converted, that word converted means when you turn back, when your strength comes back to you and to your faith. He says, then turn in a resolute direction, strengthen. That's what that word means. Then you turn, you take what you've learned, and, and, and you set, stabilize, and, and affirm your brothers and sisters in the Lord. God will take you in these last days. And he's going to turn you and make you into that which brings life to others, that which strengthens others. Strengthen your brothers, right? So let's go back. Let's go back. Anybody have anything to say? Any comments? Beautiful. Praise God. Beautiful. First Peter, chapter one.
0: Brother Brother Marty, this, although you're not talking about it, but I feel that this, These words also encourages I know there's many brothers and sisters that know how to pray, that are intercessors. Just to remind you to keep praying. Prayer works. Jesus Himself prayed for Peter that his faith would not would fail not. And look at him now, hallelujah, in this epistle writing. So don't you dare think that God is not listening to your prayers. I want to encourage you because I know there's intercessors that are listening. Keep praying. Keep interceding. Keep yes. standing in the gap. It is through your prayers that many of us are being kept in the faith. So I just wanted to just throw that in because I think it's important. You know, uh, as you were saying that that's what came to my heart yeah. is, is is tell these tell it to the people that pray, my people that know how to pray. That their prayers are not in vain for, the Amen. Children, for, their, for their children husbands for the, and wives yeah yes,
1: yes. Amen. That, that, i feel that brother that that's that's absolutely right i can tell you right now that i wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the precious prayers of my wife and for my oh, brothers and sisters that. in the lord from my precious grandma even when i was way just a little kid she used to go into her room every day at three o'clock i had no idea what she was doing until i got older and I realized uh, what she did every day. She'd go in her bedroom and she'd pray at three o'clock for an hour. And 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 I know now, because I just know, you know, she's 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 one of the main reasons that I I stand here today. And 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 another thing that Brother Jeremy said: Don't look at, at others and, and and think that you know what the heck they're going through. In, in Peter's case, this was a direct attack by the devil. He originally was trying to get him to deny the lord but but God intervened. I believe and and that's why Jesus said, "I've bound myself to you. He can't touch you. You know you may go up under this trial, but he is not going to be able to crush you like that son of perdition, like that wicked one and 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 so when you see others, especially men and women of God, understand, pray for your pastors, pray for your your sons that might show a calling of God on their life or or your daughters who have anointing. <laughs> yes. Pray for doing. them, like Brother Jeremy said, because in essence, it is Christ that liveth in you. It is Christ praying through you. It's the Spirit of God. You talked yes. about intercessor praying through you. I've prayed yes. for you, Peter. I've bound myself to you. And you're going to be all right, and and, and you're going to return. You're going to turn back from this trial. And and when you do, he says, you will be fit and strong to now become a stabilizing force among your brethren. That, by the way, you were just arguing with at the table. (laughs) 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 You'll become that over. right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? So he says, you know. The trial of your faith in verse 7 is more precious than that of gold. You can hear it in his voice. You know, because when we come out the other end, you know, there's a humility that's worked within all of us. You know, there's there's that way he talks about the bond of brotherly love, right? Maybe that is a hint of that Last Supper argument too, right? <laughs> Who'd be greatest? Who's going to deny? I mean, he says, no, 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 you, you need to have brotherly love flowing through you, man. You need to hope the best for your brothers. You need to believe God to 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 produce within them everything that He desires to see them become. Your brothers, your sisters, your children, your your mothers, your fathers, our families. This is a unified church that is being put together by the Spirit in this time that we find us, ourselves upon, and that which is prophesied to to come to pass in not too many days from now. And he says, you know what? I've prayed for you. And and, and Peter writes, your faith is more precious than gold. It's the most valuable thing there is. And it's why we come up under these heavy-duty trials. It's why we go through these scrutinies. If you've ever been bold enough to tell somebody about Jesus, well, just wait a few days because something's going to come. Right? Yeah. And that's why Peter said, man, it's more precious than gold you know because it's the most valuable thing there is it is it is that which has 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 ensured or stamped your ticket to ages without end and the most glorious thing that he goes on to say he says though it's tried with fire it'll be found under the praise and the honor and the glory glory at the appearing of jesus christ and even though you haven't seen him he says you love him and in whom though you don't see him At the moment, he says, yet you believe. And because of that, you are rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you're going to receive the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. That is so beautiful what he says there, because we read earlier about the elements melting with fervent heat, right? And what manner of life should we be living? David talking about, you know, refine me, sit like that refiner's fire of my heart and my mind. And he's literally saying that the end of our faith, that whole phrase there is so profound because he says when it's all said and done and we head into the next phase of what God is doing and has reserved for his children, he says your soul will remain intact. And what he means by that is who you are, your very personality, your emotions, your faculties, that is what's going to be preserved. Because Jesus has bound himself to it by his Holy Spirit. You have been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, the earnest of your inheritance, right? Until the day of yes. the redemption of the purchased possession. What's the purchased possession? You and yes. me.
0: Hallelujah.
1: And when we get out the other end, man, it's it's us. You, you, people are always, well, what's heaven going to be like? Are we going to know each other? Of course. That's part of your salvation. That's why you're going through so much. You are going to make it through the fire by the help and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's prayed for you and he's ever living to make intercession for you and me. He's up there right now fighting. He's bound himself to us And, and, and implementing the authority in heaven and earth that's been given to him for every precious soul and child of God that has ever said yes to the glorious invitation of the salvation of our souls and the forgiveness of our sins and that new spirit that's been born in us. He says, you're going to receive it. That's why it's more precious than gold, man. He says, what you got, what God has given to you through Christ our Lord, it's worth going up under this scrutiny because at the other end, when it's all said and done and we come into that new heaven and that new earth, he says, you're going to, you're going to be there. You. Yes you'll you'll know who you are you'll know your mama your daddy your brother your sister your children you're going to know that's that's part of the the joy of it is that we're going to make it
0: through yes lord you know yes. we're being pre- we're being prepared see
1: right now you know a scrutiny that's going to come even like it came on our on our brothers and sisters in the first days of the church but but understand this that a great fellowship and our Lord has bound himself to us that we're part of that great fellowship. And he's bound ourselves. He's bound himself to us with cords of unbreakable love, man. Yes. So be, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the yes. Lord and in the power of his might because we're going to make it. And what lies ahead is a joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half has never been told. That's what Peter was saying. And when our Lord appears i know we're going to receive the end of our faith the salvation of Hallelujah. our souls with our families praise god so my prayer for you today and for all of us really is look up right and we pray that our lord it returns quickly that's our prayer because this world is not our home and 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 like paul said this momentary thing this light affliction he said it is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed
0: in us by Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Praise Lord. Lord. Amen. anybody want to say anything before we close? Uh, brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah. Any closing comments? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. This is Yes. He has. I sense His presence, you know, um, but right there, that's where we're heading. You know, the the proving of the saints, the proving of the saints in this hour. Everything we believe shall be tried. (laughs) See if it stands. Everything that can be shaken shall be shaken so that everything that remains Will not fall, and only His Word remains. Amen. And we we draw strength today, and I pray that you're drawing strength today from this Word. I do, because it's coming from the Apostle Peter. It's not something that he read. Amen. He been he he he. The Bible speaks of those times when he cried bitter tears before God.
1: Yeah.
0: But all of this was for his making. It behooved him to go through these things, to get him to the place where he can mature and now encourage us, you that are listening to me, that that, that we're studying this, to tell us to encourage us. Hey, I went through it. You saw my life. You saw what I did. It's written there in the Word of God. It is for your advantage. It is for your encouragement. It is for your um, to 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 let you know that if I did it, you can do it too. We pray that you have been blessed, and I pray that you join us tomorrow, and uh, and meditate on these things, and and help us to tell others about these podcasts. God is speaking. I pray that your faith has been encouraged as mine has today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you, and keep looking up.